what's going on? Me, Jeff Openshaw here, This Week in Mormons. I think we're still called that after Elder Anderson's talk. I'm not 100% sure. So whatever this show is, you're here, and it's our special edition General Conference Recap Podcast. We're coming to you here only a couple of hours after conference ended. Very excited to get into all of it with you. Uh, as a group and just talk about what we learned, what we liked. If someone wants to dare profess publicly what they didn't like, whatever we want to say, it'll be great. Uh, before we get to that, of course, please follow us on social social media and go to thisweekinmormons.com. View our various blogs and content and all that wonderful stuff. Big shout out to our patrons on Patreon, patreon.com slash thisweekinmormons. Help support the show. Handful of bucks a month gives us some love. Um, also, as I introduce... Our host. I want to apologize to the first one. Half of the twin sisters, Tiffany Hales, is here, and I'm apologizing because they actually recorded a newscast for everybody, like on Monday, that we were going to publish like normal, and they had we had we had some problems. So the temple predictions were there. So thankfully, those subbed in yes. as like our show for the week. But uh, hi, Tiffany. It's nice to see you, and I'm sorry. Apology accepted. It and and it was a brilliant. It was a brilliant show, but alas, it was not meant to be. And. Ariana and I talked about re-recording, but we never could kind of get our act together. <laughs> sorry. I'm convinced it still lives somewhere. I'm convinced we could still recover the episode and we'll make it a special edition thing or something. I'm, I'm Maybe not gonna, we can I'm, make it special edition for our um, Patreon supporters if we recover yes. it. Yes. Would you because guys like to hear it, a bot show? It had some... The, the Mormons were behaving themselves last month, but this last 30 days, they all went freaking crazy. And I had a really amazing section on Mormons behaving badly. You know, kind of one of my favorite segments. Yes. We're not... We can't, we can't say that word anymore, Tiffany. Okay, anyway. I know. During not, Neil not Anderson's talk, my husband was throwing shade at me the whole entire time going, you guys are going to H-E doubles double hockey sticks because you haven't changed your name. You're getting specifically called out in general conference. And then you said, shows what you know. We don't even believe in hell. Who's the worst person? Exactly. Who's the worst disciple? He, he, what did he call me? He said, I can't remember what he said. He was like, you're not even a, you're, I can't remember what he said, but whatever it was, I was like, you don't even listen to me anyway. Why, why do you, you know, it's, did, it's not like call it matters. You a- he called you a Jack Latter-day Saint. He combined the two ideas. I, you know, he really kind of did. Yeah. He really kind of did. Well, good. Well, good. We're glad you're here. Also with us this week, our other, we're a trio this week, uh, the wonderful actress and comedian that you can see on Show Offs and BYU TV on, um, of course, Once I Was Engaged. And I'm blanking. I was going to, oh, I should have brought this up before. Haley, you did some hilarious commercial for like a... For, for like some kind of MLM type wellness thing at some oh. point I saw recently. Anyway, uh, <laughs> oh, Haley Smith is here. <laughs> Hi. 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 Yeah, that would that would be Young Living. I think. It was Mother Young Nature. Living. You were yes. Mother Nature. That and was my funny. daughter makes fun of me and she's like, I can't believe you're part of an MLM. I'm like, they didn't give me any oils at all. I was just <laughs> playing a part. Are you still? <laughs> no how does that, like, how is that though uh, for an actor when, I mean, I think of like, I think a lot of like the Kirby Hayborn fiasco from 10 years ago. You might remember when Kirby Hayborn did a commercial, I think for. Yeah, beer, a beer like, commercial. Bud, Bud Light or something. And from his perspective, he's like, I'm an actor. I'm yeah. working and earning money. I'm not like endorsing the product. But Latter day Saints can be very sensitive about those sorts of things. How, how does that for you? Do you feel the same way? I mean, an MLM um, is different, but still. I know. I think in Utah, it's probably not a big deal. <laughs> like it's probably more would I'd be oh. more embarrassed to tell my friends outside of the faith and state. <laughs> They'd be like, "What are you doing?" 
<laughs> it's just a little, just a little company and just a little oil. No, no just some, deal. just some, just a little oil. <laughs> just just, I mean, after watching, um, <laughs> after watching Lula Rich the other week, I oh, am just, yes. I am all in on this. Yes, stuff. I did. As I watched that documentary, I did have like a little nagging bit of guilt of like, oh dear, should I feel guilty about doing that campaign? But. I'm sure it's different. I'm sure. It's, I don't know. I actually don't know anything. I just showed up, hit my mark, and did my line. So, <laughs> oh, like like a pro. They did. Nobody pulled back the curtain for me. Sorry, I don't have anything for the documentary. You just did your thing. Went to craft services and called it a day. You're <laughs> like, right. this, this is all I need. That's right. this is all I need. Well, that's great. Well, I'm very thankful for all of you to be here. Uh, in full disclosure, we had some other folks who were lined up to be with us, but they had some commitments that popped up like literally last minute kind of stuff. So. Who cares? We're gonna have a great time. Haley's awesome. Tiffany's so, awesome. I'm I'm adequate, and we're gonna have a good time together. Quick recap: We haven't had a, a group this small since like the Alan Jeff days when we do like three hours of conference recap. It's been a while, so it'll be fun. Um, it was a long weekend to me in a good, mostly good way. How was conference overall for everybody here? How did you feel? Any any major takeaways from all of us who didn't see all of it? <laughs> It felt most, it felt good. Mostly it did feel like yesterday felt a little long. I'm not going to lie. I mean, I, I do like work full time. And so Saturday is kind of like the day. And so I did kind of feel like, Oh my goodness, I'm not going to get anything done. Like those two hours feel like two seconds in between. Um, really that's how it felt yesterday, but still great. Um, I, I would I would agree. I thought yesterday just seemed long. And even though, you know, once a year we would do the women's session, which, you know, is akin and the men would do the priesthood session, which is akin to, you know, a, a, a third Saturday session. I don't know. For some reason, in this case, it just felt different and it just felt like, oh, we're doing this again. And I I, I I didn't, I'm not a fan of the format is what I'm going to say. I don't, I don't well, like it. No, that's what I was going to, and I believe what you're referring to clearly is the new Saturday evening yes. format, right? Yes, I mean, the new I'm, Saturday. Unless you're not a fan of just the format it's been forever in general. Oh, no, no, no. the speakers no. and the spirit and the songs no. and things like that. Um, no, I, I'm referring well, to the Saturday format where it's just a regular session for the evening. And that's what I was thinking too, because they didn't say much about it. I guess this kind of, I think we like to speculate so much because remember a few months ago, they canceled the Saturday sessions outright. They just said the, yeah. the justification was kind of, I thought it was, it was kind of from a, I'm a communications guy. And I thought the explanation was kind of bizarre. It was just like, well, everyone can watch this online anyway. So why should we have separate sessions for men and women? We'll just stop the thing altogether. And I was like, well, that's not exactly like a reason, but Okay. <laughs> And then like three weeks later, they said, nah, 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 no, we're going to do it. And we're going to have a Saturday session. And then they didn't elaborate on what that meant. And so they've left us to speculate. Does that mean like just a a regular session, quote unquote? Does it mean some special thing we'll do every Saturday night? And it does turn out it was kind of, it was a, a, just a regular session like all the others, which to me, I agree. It felt heavy, not kind of having that breather in a sense, like you're like that's six hours of traditional conference sessions, which was. Like we we put a poll on our on our Twitter. We actually asked people like, now that you've you went to Saturday evening session, and it was like any other. Um, do you feel like did you like that it was just more of the conference? Did you feel like it was a lot? Um, do you miss having the separate sessions for genders, or did you still get ice cream? 
those were the three, those are the four <laughs> options. Obviously the fourth one is not ex- mutually not exclusive at all. Um, but 40, 44% said it feels like a lot. And 25% said they missed the gender session. Only 21% liked the additional, just regular session, obviously not a scientific poll or anything like that, but, um, that might be telling. I don't know. Maybe it's uh, I don't know what they'll keep doing it, but I, <clears throat> I have a question because when I was growing up, um, I didn't know that Saturday sessions existed. My family, we only went to Sunday sessions. You and my like, wife will get along the then. Church. Yeah. We didn't know that either. <laughs> and I didn't know until like I was married and I'm like, wait, what? There's Saturday or I think I was at BYU, like at college. I'm like, there's Saturday conference. Like, is it the same? And then you walk, you're like, oh, it's it's like it's it's the same. It's not like a subpar version. I had no idea. And so I was actually talking to my husband about that today and he's no longer active but he's like and he maintains he's like oh so many people don't even do saturday i'm like no all my friends watch saturday that was just it wasn't a thing when i was a kid but like now everyone watches it he's like no they don't i'm like so that my question is don't you think do most people watch saturday i think they do yeah i feel like the social media chatter dies off as the sunday sessions go on um i don't know if that's an indicator of who's actually watching but it seems to me that like everyone's pumped up when we get going and then by the time you're you're tired by (laughs) sunday afternoon and everything just kind of gets a little bit quieter you're like we're out of snacks (laughs) what are we supposed to do now we ate them all yesterday i I should have looked at the live streams because on youtube it tells you how many you're watching live Mm -hmm. and i should have checked out to see if those numbers uh were changing or not interesting And see, I grew up listening or watching on television the Saturday sessions. So I've always been keenly aware of the Saturday sessions. But I've always loved, like when they had the priesthood session on Saturday night, is that, you know, then my mom or as I got older, you know, me and my sisters would go off and do girls night and it was totally fun. So, um, so yeah, I've been aware of the Saturday sessions and, uh, but one thing I wondered with the new edition of this kind of third general session, and I haven't had a chance to talk to Arianne. Uh, obviously, Jeff, your kids are, are are you're in a different time zone and your kids are younger than Arianne's kids. I wanted to ask her because her kids are 14, 10, 7, and 3. Did she make them watch the Saturday night session or was she like, yeah, you did two sessions. You're good. Because I think if it had been me, I'd have been like, I wrangled my kids into two sessions on Saturday. I'm not going to make them do the evening one. Well, our time zone was that that makes it totally different for us because it starts at exactly. eight p.m. and we're like yeah. we're like putting kids in bed around that time. So it was different last night because so the, from like the podcasting side of it, I want to be able to sit down with my laptop, take some notes, pay attention, maybe you know post some social media, st- you know, be engaged with it. But it's bedtime for the kids. So the upside though was I think I got more out of the Saturday session initially because I just put in some. AirPods and just streamed the audio and sat there and rocked the year and a half year old to bed and just kind of <laughs> hung out with them. And I was per- so I was pretty dialed in actually to the content that was mm-hmm. going on there because I had no other distractions. So in that sense, it was good. But yeah, I'm not going to make my kids stay up from eight to 10 to watch the session. And that part, it makes me a little sad. I've got three boys and once they get old enough, like they're there will be a priesthood session and to do some of the things I did during my adolescence. I mean, like my, I remember when I was younger, my, my father wasn't really active in the church at the time. And, um, so my uncle, my wonderful uncle 
sort of like swept in there. I don't recognize these things as a bratty teenager, right? But I realized that an uncle who I'm, we're buddies anyways, an uncle I like, and we always see each other. He lives, you know, 15 minutes away. He sort of kind of took me under his wing during those years of my adolescence. And so he would always pick me up and he'd, he'd pick me all the way up in my house and drive me back down to his stake. And I'd go to priesthood meeting with him, but we'd always get dinner first because in California, priesthood meeting yeah. is done at like 7 p.m. So, or we get dinner afterwards. Yeah. But uh, that was a great tradition. I don't, it didn't mean much to me. I mean, it meant a lot to me to have fun at the time, but I didn't realize how important that was really in hindsight. Like I think about how much my uncle probably kept me engaged with the faith because my dad, I didn't even know what priesthood session was a thing when I turned 12. Like I didn't, like Haley didn't know there was conference on Saturday. <laughs> no one like announced when you're a deacon, they say, and by the way, every six months there's priesthood meeting and you want to be a part of that. I had no idea until my uncle was just like, yeah, this is a thing. I was like, there's more conference at night. Go put you your tie about? on. <laughs> like, what are you talking about? But I was glad because it made me aware of that stuff. And so it's it's uh makes me just a little little sad that um I won't be able to take my little dudes to that at some point, kind of do that that father-son sort of thing. But though I'm all about the gender equality stuff, don't get me wrong. I'm th- yeah. grateful we've got women speaking and all that. But uh that was you know, and like you said, the women's session too. If it's women's session, it's yeah. nice because I could let my wife do that and be like, cool, I've got the kids, go to your meeting, and I can just like handle that now we're just it's like any other night as far as getting kids in bed and doing all that well speaking of gender equality and this mm-hmm. conference i think in every session but the sunday afternoon session there right. was a female speaker and then we had several prayers that were given by women so i mean that this is more women than i think we've ever heard speak in general conference, you know, albeit, you know, if probably not, if you factor in, you know, what was previously known as the women's session, but just to have them scattered throughout, I thought was a very neat thing. Mm-hmm. Yes, I agree. I took note of that after last time. <laughs> when there were only two yes. last time. Yes. Um, I also really loved um, in Elder Renlund's talk specifically how he highlighted his wife and her career and used that to get his message across. I thought that was awesome. I think I missed that part of Renlund's talk. Probably because I just tuned it out when I talked about it. I'm just kidding. No. Well, what he was saying is he was saying, and again, this resonated with me, and it's one of the reasons that Elder Elder Renlund is one of my favorites, is his wife is an attorney. And he was Mm -hmm. saying that when she was in practice, I mean, his whole talk was on avoiding contention. And obviously, if you are an attorney, that is kind of a hard thing to do because people don't go see to see attorneys if they're getting along. You have an attorney if you've got something contentious in your life. And he was talking about how his wife with opposing counsel would say, you know, hey, it is clear that we are going to disagree on this. And so we need to agree to disagree. And he was he was referencing how she was able to still respect opposing counsel, yet at the same time realize that they had disagreements. And I think that was the essence of his talk. And You know, one of the things about his talk that struck me when he started talking about contention and some of the good and bad things that have come from the pandemic, one of which we've seen is perhaps an increase in contention, I thought, ooh, is he reading the comments on the social media posts that the church does? Or are his handlers reading the comments and telling him and saying, Elder Renlund, there's a lot going on out there and some of it is not good. I, I, I wondered that too with with a couple of, with a, a few of the talks like how much are they told or how much you know is just inspiration like 
this is happening. This needs to be addressed. But I, I wonder that too, like how much gets passed up. And we'll never know, but there was definitely a, a tenor of of that during this conference of, of a real concern about a contention and not just like contention is bad in general. I think very clear concerns from the speakers that COVID in particular has opened up rifts among us <laughs> and we have to be really cognizant of that and combat that actively. Uh, otherwise, we're going to see these these crazy risks we have, things we didn't think would ever exist between us as mem- <laughs> as yeah. like ward members, right? And it's just, uh, and that's crazy. I enjoyed that talk about contention. You had the examples of, of Finland and Russia and uh, some of that, which was fun for anyone who knows, you know, as he explained some of the history of Finland and Russia and his father and being able to forgive the Russians. And I, I thought this from my side, having spent some time in Ukraine, uh, where I'm still like actively bothered by Russia <laughs> incursions into a sovereign state next door. Uh, and this is because this is not the turn of the 20th century when Finland was getting formal independence from the Russian Empire. It's 2021 and part of Ukraine is still occupied by Russia, but whatever. So that's the whole thing. Um, but it was a good note. Uh, right to to forgive people and avoid contention that's hard i mean he had some and he had some excellent quotes about it like he talked about what was one i wrote down here that uh like what i love is said if we're unable to place our discipleship to jesus christ above personal interests and viewpoints we should re-examine our priorities and change and that speaks a lot i think to the tribalism that we've seen in our ranks i mean i've i've we've read a lot of studies i've seen a lot of things going around a really interesting one a couple weeks ago was basically how like the church is sort of um we're sort of Protestantizing ourselves at this point, like with all the things we're doing, getting rid of Moroni, focusing on the name of the church. We're kind of trying to like really smooth out the quirks that make us Latter-day Saints a quirky people. This, this is some analysis. I don't want to say I agree with all of it. Uh, but then in so doing, it's left a vacuum for interest because your ward used to be the, the main thing you identified with. Like that's it. Your ward is your life and all the goofy things you do together as a ward help define who you are and your personality and all your relationships. And nowadays it's like come to church for two hours, really lean on the home, which is important. But and some, some have wondered, like, has that caused it so that there's this cultural space that's no longer being filled by your ward unit and then politics have crept in? And now we are identifying almost first and foremost by our political persuasions, as opposed to as Latter-day Saints or as ward members. And I think there might be some truth to that. Yeah. No, I mean, I loved how just all the talk about, you know, avoiding contention and, and having more compassion and, and the love of God was really directed towards the individual and how it's our own responsibility. It's not, and they weren't, they weren't telling us like who was right and who was wrong. It was yeah. just like, you know, you need to, you need to have the love of God so much in you that you are empowered to not do these things. And it's everyone's individual responsibility. And we're not going to tell you you're right or you're wrong. Um, and I really liked like when um, Elder, is it so- Suarez? How do you say his last name? Suarez. 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 When he said. Because um, I know Portuguese really well. Good job, Elder Suarez. <laughs> he said. We need to sit at Jesus's feet and plead for mercy for our own imperfections. And so it's really to, to gain compassion for others and to, to avoid that contention. It's about your own journey. And it's not about what someone else is saying or doing or thinking. So. Well, there was that other, um, if that makes me think, Bishop, uh, let me find my notes here. The El Todd Budge, the one who's the new member of the presiding bishopric. His talk was great in the afternoon. And he talked about kind of sacrifice and the way we think about sacrifice, because he was speaking in the context of what we've done as Latter-day Saints to help out with the humanitarian crises around the world, which was really powerful. Sister Eubanks spoke to that as well. 
But I like that he said sacrifice is less about giving up and more about giving to the Lord. That was his, that was his line. But kind of how that applies to us, it's easy to think about like what I am losing of myself to give towards God, as opposed to thinking, no, what am I giving of myself to bless other people and bless God? And I think that's a good way to look at it. I dug that. Yeah. Yeah. And along those lines, um, was it, oh, Elder Oaks talked about going, like, why do we go to church? And he said, we go mm. to serve and not to be served. And yeah, that was the other one I was thinking of. Yeah. Go and go with the intent to be active and not passive. And that's great because so many times, you know, I can have selfish thoughts and be like, well, I'm not, I don't want to go because I'm tired or I'm annoyed at this person or, but that's not what, that's not why we're supposed to go. And I'd love to hear that kind of clarified, like just go with the, like the desire to help someone else and not think about yourself. And that's much more <laughs> motivating for me. It would kind of change the whole mindset, wouldn't it? I mean, yeah, yeah it's just, yeah. yeah. Well, and speaking of Elder Oaks's talk, I thought it was really interesting where, you know, he started out and he was talking about church attendance and he was saying, hey, it, it, it doesn't matter if you're going to our church or another church, you need to go to church. And, and I thought that was a very interesting thing to hear over the pulpit in general conference. And then he talked about all of the mm -hmm. reasons why you need to go to church. And it also made me wonder if um, in this, you know, I mean, I don't want to say post pandemic because we're not out of the pandemic, but certainly when we started going back to church, at least in my ward, there are people we still have not seen return that were very active beforehand. And, and some of them have legitimate medical reasons why. And I'm not, I'm not talking about those ones. I'm just talking about others who, you know, maybe have decided, wow, you know, I can still be spiritual and I don't have to go sit in a church building every two weeks or for two hours every week. And so I think Elder Oaks was really speaking to, you know, why you need to do that, not only for yourself, but just like Haley said, to help others. And there was one quote that he had, and I don't think I have it, I don't think I have it pulled up, but he was talking about, you know, it, it it's not only, and I'm going to horribly <laughs> misparaphrase it, but he was in essence saying, you know, it's not only to train us, but also to test us. And the takeaway that I got from that was, you know, some callings that we have teach us and teach others and some callings that we have, or some people that we work with at church, um, tend to test us and those things teach us. <laughs> I, well, I so think, I thought that that, that was a, a good subtle reminder. Was that, I should pull up our Twitter. Was that his talk when he basically, yeah, when he was basically saying that going to church requ requires you to collaborate and engage with people you otherwise wouldn't and you're normal. Exactly. Your, yeah. That was his life. talk. Because if your ward, especially if your ward is nicely drawn up and has a good intersection of people from different walks of life, all sorts of things, you have opportunities to engage in areas you that would be out of your comfort zone and you learn a lot from those people, which I've definitely found to be true in my life uh, in the various times I've been able to serve in certain, I mean, you get paired up to be a ministering companion with someone you might like not know at all, would never think that you're going to be a natural friend with or anything like that. Right. But as you work at it, you find that, you know, the unifying factor is the gospel of Jesus Christ. The unifying factor isn't all of your random interests that you want to share. It's the fact that you're doing the Lord's work. And that, that kind of gets to the crux of like what makes a ward click at its best <laughs> is when you're focused on that and yeah. not, uh, Everything well, and else. I think it goes back to one of the overwhelming things that I really felt about this conference was they talked a lot about the doctrine of Christ. And one of those things with the doctrine in Christ is, is 
just like what you said, Jeff, serving and learning to love others that you might not necessarily choose to associate with. And I I also think there's a power that comes from gathering that we don't recognize until we're not doing it. Um, And I I don't necessarily know that he touched on this, but I I wrote down like some questions like during different talks just for me to like think about. And during his, I wrote down, why do I go? You know, like, why do I, you know, personally go? Because I can joke about it and be like, oh, I'd rather have pajama church any day or I don't want to do my jobs or, you know. But really, when I'm actually there and gathered with my ward family, there's I think there's like a certain, I don't know, power and just, I don't know, you just feel like you want to try more or do better this week. I don't know that I might not get that same feeling without that kind of positive peer pressure all around me kind of thing. (laughs) I don't know. Not like a, not like to keep up appearances, but like for myself, like we're all in this together. We're all doing our best and let's try again this week, you know? No, I think that's perfectly valid. I'm with you too. I mean, we we held off on a long time going back because it could, basically until they stopped doing a broadcast in our area, and I said, okay, well, we're just going to go in person then and make it make it work. And uh, it's been fine. Thankfully, we've all been safe. But in our area, we're still like we're still social distancing, and our, and the state presidencies required us to wear masks, so it feels a little more comfortable. If they weren't doing that, I don't know what we would do. We'd probably just be like, hey, okay, this is fun. All right, good times. Um, Tiffany, you mentioned something a few minutes ago that I'd be curious how it is for our listeners. Haley, if you, if you have anything to chime in on, on this one, be great too. You talked about how not everyone has come back. And a lot of this can depend on if you still have a broadcast in your ward or if you don't. But like in our case, we don't, right? We've stopped. So yeah. the only church you're having is if you show up on Sunday. And while our ward did experience a substantial net loss of people over the past year and change, and not really COVID directly related, just, just a lot of folks, we lost like 80 people and gained 40. So we've had a net loss of like 40 people in our ward, like active members in our ward. I was actually running some numbers in my my little, I moonlight as an executive secretary when I'm not, you know, twimming and doing other stuff. And it's curious because I looked at this too and I looked at kind of like, okay, we're still like down, even taking into account the fact that we just have fewer people in the ward than we did a year ago. Percentage wise, our attendance number is much lower. We're like 20 points off of where we used to be before the pandemic. And I even looked at like, okay, who do I know who's still not here? Who should be? Who's active? Okay, accounted for that. But there's still a gap and I can't figure it out. And I'm really curious if that's a bigger thing going on elsewhere in the church right now, if there's folks who are just like, if they got out of the habit or what the reasons are. And if we have like a permanent or hopefully not permanent, but a current suppression in attendance numbers across the board. So I've seen it across my stick and it's kind of bizarre. It's yeah. just like all the active people are there, but at the same time, we're down a lot. A lot we're at like 140 every Sunday. We used to be like 220. It's crazy. Wow. Yeah. No, I we're, mean, yeah. we're definitely down. Um, and we still do a broadcast because, um, and one of the reasons that we do is we have three or four individuals in our ward who have seriously med- are seriously medically compromised and, and they just do not leave their house at all. And okay. they have at, they've requested that we still do the broadcast for sacrament meeting. We were doing second hour, but it became a little hard because you couldn't hear the questions and the engaging yeah, conversation yeah. in second hour. But they said to us, you know, that is our lifeline. That is, you know, where we're getting to feel spirituality and connected to our ward. But again, I mean, there's a handful of them in my ward because there's still a lot of people who... I think some of them we do see on the Zoom broadcast, you know, they're still at home, but there's some that used to be active that just aren't engaging at all. 
Yeah. It's a curious time, right? So. We got to do what we can do to get out of it. It's interesting. And that was a great theme throughout this whole conference. There's a lot of, you know, get out of your own head and reach out to other people. And like Haley was saying, stop thinking about church for you, which I think we all do. It's like, I, yeah. how often my boys all yell at me every Sunday. I don't want to go to church. They're not thinking, <laughs> no. I, how can I bless someone this week? That's not, that's not what's on their mind. It's just a miracle to get, oh man. And literally the only reason we get a good seat is because I'm already there for a uh, bishopric meeting and ward council. So I like reserve a nice pew and just sit there. And we, my wife oh, and I have lost, since decided. You're one of those. It's a huge, it's a, well, it's a, it's, it is, we only live like five minutes from the church building, but it's a hassle for her, of course, to wrangle three boys and get them out the door to church. But to her, it's worth it instead of uh, me coming home and getting, helping to get everybody out the door. But then we get there so late, we have to sit in the, in the gym overflow because then the kids are just like impossible to contain. Like we need the pew. I need the pew or church is a complete disaster. So we've yeah. decided that's thing we're going to do. Um, <laughs> incidentally, uh, as far as, you know, like following these remarks, I, I, I got a lot of notes. Yesterday was a bit of a struggle for me here and there when I'm looking. I actually, have, what Patricio M. Uh, Gufra, all I wrote from my note was this guy knows how to party. That's all I wrote. Because <laughs> I think I took no notes. Um, because I have these crazy children jumping all over me. And I think you two will appreciate this. So my dear wife, Danielle, um, her exact words like yesterday were, she was like, one of my favorite things is every general conference watching how watching you get mad at the children because you're trying to watch and it gets you so stressed out. She's like, and I was like, that's one of your, you want to put that a label on. That's one of your favorite things. She's like, yes, it is one of my, so she made an actual photo album. She got into her Google photos and I spent the past day looking at, you know, six <laughs> plus years of just pictures she's taken of children climbing all over me, blocking my access to a laptop, just distracting me, videos of me getting mad. I don't, she thinks this is hilarious. And I'm like, I'm glad we're documenting my inability to bring the spirit into our home. But this is wonderful. This is wonderful. We're doing this. Okay. I imagine as moms, you can appreciate um, some oh, of yeah. that as well. Very but, much. Uh, and you know what? You can use it against your children when they're older. <laughs> I guess they'll probably just laugh and be like, yeah, man, that was a drag. <laughs> no, I mean, when they have kids and their kids are climbing all over them, you can go, well, payback. Sorry. You, sh you should see some of the footage from yesterday. I'm sitting there like trying desperately to work. And the 18 month old is like cr sitting on my lap. I have a laptop probably like two feet away from me because he's in front of my lap and I'm just oh like trying gosh. to touch stuff. Yeah. Eventually I, I, eventually I, uh, it provides like a standing desk on our little ledge in the walk, in the entryway and put the laptop up there. And I was like, no one can bother me now. I'm just going to oh, stand you here. Definitely have to post those pictures. We need to see those. Maybe I will. It's just, it's just a lot of me with kids climbing all over. I, me, so. Yeah. I feel like it's I, just a game we do every time where we're just like, be quiet, watch, pay attention, feel the prophets talking. Like, we're You're going to sit down and we're going to love each other. <laughs> dang it. Listen and love these words. And then I'm giving you a quiz after. And they're like, wow, mom, we're really want to do this now. <laughs> so I just have to remind myself, like, you know what? If they're in the room, it's a win. And I'm just going to keep my mouth shut. And, but you know, I have a lot of hard won teenage years. So yeah, that's all you can do. That's all you can do. <laughs> I mean, it works in some sense. I remember when I was younger, my mom would make us sit there and watch it when I was like a teenager and stuff. And if we like jabbered or goofed around, she'd be like, hey, she'd like, I'm like, mm -hmm. okay, fine. <laughs> but at least I'm in the habit now. You know, that's uh, so. 
Okay. Well, we've we jumped around a couple of good talks. One talk I really liked was came during the Saturday afternoon session from Elder uh, Kapitschka. Yeah. Elder yes. Eric Kapitschka, another another one of our German general authorities. Yeah. I didn't take a ton of notes from this, but I thought it was incredible how raw and open he was about speaking about mental. He just went right in and said, "Like we're going to talk about mental illness," and he used mm-hmm. his son with permission. I assume his son's examples of like struggling with mental illness after. Yeah, he said he did use have permission. Yeah. And well, uh, I-, I just. I thought that was cool. Sorry, go ahead, Tiffany. As I say, one of the things he said that I put notes on is he said, and and this again was nice to hear in general conference, mental health issues do not equal a character defect because, Mm -hmm. you know, sometimes that is just in, you know, people have a tendency to think, oh, you can just shake this off. You can pray it away. This is just a flaw. And to hear that over the pulpit in general conference, I really liked and the other thing I really liked note that I took from his talk is he said, there's no simple cure. You have to focus on growth and not shortcomings. And so I really liked that, that, you know, he said, look, it's not just take a pill and you'll feel better or do this and you'll feel better. There's all sorts of different cures depending on your situation and focus on how far you've progressed, not all the shortcomings. And, and I just, I love that. I thought those words were healing for a lot of people and, and very much needed. Yeah. I love that. I loved how he said, you know, and for us who are, who maybe aren't dealing with mental illness ourselves, but who are interacting with friends and loved ones who are, he said, you know, like for us, stay close to the Lord and, and hold on to them with faith and speak less and listen more. And, um, yeah, I just thought that was really powerful and a good, just a great reminder for me just for, I mean, all the people that I have that I love that are dealing with different issues and yeah, they're loved. Heavenly Father loves them and we just need to listen more. And I think that's really good counsel because we don't know what, like, we don't know what people are going through and if, and we don't, if we don't have suffer from mental illness, it's really hard to kind of conceptualize and, and empathize appropriately with that. Cause it's just kind of, it's for me, it's, you know, it's like out of my realm of understanding. Like I can hear about it and learn about it, but I don't know what it feels like to be going through those sorts of things. And we have to recognize how truly how difficult that is for many individuals and realize that sometimes even rational explanations for things that should make a situation better don't always resonate in that same way. Cause that's not always the answer. Like you said, sometimes we just have to be there for people and listen and do everything we can to support them. We can't always bring out the old playbook and just say, you know, just pray it away, just feel better, mm-hmm. read the scriptures, do this and you're going to be well. It's like, Oh, it's, it's more complicated than that. Yeah. And it's just good to see us recognize that in yeah. some more like general conference. Absolutely. Loved it. That even reminded me a little bit, uh, fast forwarding to the Sunday afternoon session, I got a big kick out of the talk by Michael A. Dunn, oh. who's a newer member of the 70. <laughs> yes, BYU uh, TV. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. So yeah, I don't know. Michael's if, if, great. So you've, right, okay, so I, I mean, Haley, if you want, you can take off. Of no, this go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, I looked that up too. I looked, yeah, I looked up his resume and saw that he, he he was the head of the PBS affiliate for Utah for a while, and then he was also BYU TV and BYU Radio. Um, really interesting guy. Watching him, I was like, this is a comms guy, isn't it? You can just his language, his cadence. Like this is a man who knows how to use his words. I thought he was almost Neil A. Maxwellian and some of the phrases he was dropping, which as a words guy was a lot of fun. I mean, he said the myriad of micro betterments. I was like, this guy. <laughs> this guy's speaking my 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 foofy verboseness. Um, 
But what I, I love the example he used though of the British cycling team, because if you follow cycling at all, like in the last Olympics, the Brits killed it. They were awesome. But it's just 20 years ago, they were horrible. And that wasn't the case. And they brought in a new coach and his co- the coach's basic approach wasn't to come in there, wholesale change, get really radical. It was just about small marginal gains. And his whole talk was basically about marginal gains. He said habits are the compound interest of self-improvement. If you can do something 1% better each day, by the end of the year, you're like 37% better. Or was it 370% better? Either way, it was a significant yeah. amount I- better. It was, it was great. I thought it tied in really well with um, Elder Uppdorf's talk when he talks about change being incremental and then talked about, you know, if you want things to change, because sometimes we think, oh, I want to change this. I want to change that. And it just seems so overwhelming that we don't even know where to begin. And so I think Elder Dunn had some good things. But then Elder Uppdorf says, you know, change happens gradually one step at a time. And he says, if you want to change your life, Start with changing the shape of your day. If you don't know how to start with changing the shape of your day, start with changing what the what the next hour is going to look like. If you don't know yeah. what that's going to look like, change what you think and change what you feel. And so I really liked that from Elder Uppdorf when he was like, yeah, just, you know, you eat an elephant one bite at a time, not in one gulp kind of sort of a thing. And so I thought Elder Dunn and I, I wondered if the two of them had collaborated together beforehand. <laughs> Yes. Oh, and I love there's talks- no, no collusion in conflict. <laughs> I love talks. No, never. I love talks like that because it's so much more actionable for someone like yeah. me who gets overwhelmed or gets anxiety when I think about all the things that I'm not doing every day. And just, you know, an Uchtdorf said, just try to, he had, or I don't know, I can't remember the exact words, but he said these words together have an ongoing daily infusion of heavenly light. And that, I don't know. I love that artsy kind of image, but um, just, yeah. What does that mean? Just in within an hour or a minute of your day, just to get some sort of connection. And it doesn't have to be like every day, every hour, every second of your life, but you know, if you can break it down. Well, coming back, coming back to like Elder Dunn, like his one of his final quotes was, "Even if the changes in your life are wholesale, begin at a small scale." And I think that's huge too, because I think like whatever it may be, it's so easy to look at this. If you feel like you're in a hole, it seems so hard to get out of it. But it's that's not the point. Just do what you can do, whatever little things it might be. And sometimes, like it's it's like even for I don't know, pop, I've got a real weakness for cookies. For example, I go to a certain shop. I go to the grocery store every now and then, you know, as one does. <laughs> And uh, they always have freshly baked cookies there. And it's very easy for me to want to just grab one and munch on one while I'm shopping. And it's like, it's like, but it's like life is little battles like that. It's literally telling myself, you do not need this. It, you will feel gross after eating it. You don't need it. Have the patience to take this one small scale step and be better. Um, that's a stupid example. But, but, <laughs> yeah. No. But, but like, you know, it's, uh, we've all got stuff to work on, right? And it's, uh, it's not easy. But I like the idea of just trying to take it little step at a time, little step at a time, and don't let yourself get overwhelmed by the the perceived enormity of what what lay before you. Well, and I think it's helpful for, you know, leaders to hear that. And like, I don't know, I work with the youth and we really do need to meet them where they are. You know, we can't, they, every, every offering they make, every little thing they're doing is amazing, you know? And, and I, so I just love for them to hear that they can just go read, you know, for, those five pages or whatever, instead of, 
you have to finish the Book of Mormon by the end of the week, you know, kind of thing, because, you know, we need to be accepting of, of people where they're at on their journey. Yeah, for sure. All right. What other standout talks do you have? What, what, what spoke to you over the weekend? Tiffany, anything you got some notes on there? Um, we've talked about a couple of them. You know, one of the talks that I really enjoyed was I enjoyed Sister Eubanks' talk, where she kind Mm -hmm. of went through a lot of the humanitarian efforts and things that the church has done. Because, you know, sometimes maybe we read that in a church news release, but we don't really hear about it in general conference. And a lot, some of them were big things and some of them were little things, but it just kind of gave me a renewed desire to go, you know, I want to serve and I want to help people because even if I'm only doing like some little thing and maybe it's not changing the world, it's changing that person. And I really liked where, I guess one of the things that really touched me is when she talked about the women in Germany, when the Afghan women were arriving there and they needed head coverings and the Afghan women were using their husband's shirts. And these German women were like, oh, we need to make them head coverings so that they can feel comfortable praying. And that just... That just so touched me because, you know, they were so concerned that these women were able to practice their religion in a way that was comfortable to them. And, you know, because we have certain clothing and things that we wear that make practicing our religion comfortable to us. And how would we feel if we didn't have access to those things? And so it just really touched me that particular story that she shared. I just really enjoyed that. Yeah. That was um that was one of the ones I got to enjoy while I was putting the kid to bed. I lo- I love Sister Eubank. I I just like I love her so so yeah. much. I think we're I think the Relief Society presidency is getting close-ish to when they might get released, which is going to be make me. Either way, she's still doing you know the humanitarian work for the church, but uh, it was a really good reminder. And I think there's clearly a a uh, call to action there. Like we saw in the presiding bishopric members talk, he spoke about how they were worried donations would drop during 2020 because the pandemic was going on. We got, you know, we got economic crises, people losing jobs. And the last thing on our minds native as humans is to be concerned about our charitable giving at the same time. But they went up and he said, they're also looking to do even better in 2021, which is wonderful news. And I think there was clearly a good chance that they wanted to seize upon to encourage us to continue to give freely of ourselves and to demonstrate the fruits of those labors, which you don't always see a lot of because fast offerings I like for that matter. Tithing, of course, they're all sacred funds, but tithing goes into the big pot and they do tithing stuff with it. Um, But fast offerings have a very specific purpose and it's wonderful to be able to see what you can do and how much that can benefit other people. And it's like three of us are Americans, right? Like we all... We all, I mean, I, I grew up in California. You guys are in the mountain West. Like we don't really want for much, I'd say in general, in our lives, our crises are still specific to our situations, but it's so easy to forget how many of our father in heaven's children just suffer and want through no fault of their own. I mean, that was thrown into sharp relief during the Afghanistan pullout back during August, right? You have people going through so much. None of this is their fault. And all we can do is do what we could do to try to look after our brother and sister 
and yeah. make it better. And I love that even if we're not doing it directly, you know, we're not all going on missions to developing countries to still do stuff. We're able to play a role in that. And the church is really adept at it. That was nice to see. Yeah, I loved it. It made it gave me a lot of confidence in the church's humanitarian aid department. And it made me like want to like, I'm like, okay, I need to get on there and donate. I mean, they're, they're crushing it. Like, that's, that's awesome. And yeah, like you said, there's just so much suffering and I've been listening to this podcast with this girl who's um, defected from North Korea when she's a teenager. And it is just, I don't know, just horrifying. And so, I, yeah, I think anything we can do to be that balm in Gilead that, you know, is so desperately needed. I don't know. It was a great talk. Yeah, both those were really, really powerful. Nobody's yet brought up, um, let's see, Elder Holland was so early on. I think sometimes we're all, we all anticipate Elder Holland so much, we wait for him to show up on Sunday morning and be like, all right. He's right out of the starting gate. <laughs> they just dove into it. We're like, we're not ready for this yet. I'm not. I, <laughs> I had not actually to... tuned in yet, so I missed oh. Elder Holland's talk. <laughs> okay. Okay. He was one of the ones who touched on like how to avoid contention and um, how we need to, the love of God, having the love of God dwelling in our hearts is the key. And that if we love God, we will, he will get, if we love God, he will give us the ability to love our neighbor. And so that's really the key to loving our neighbor, um, to keep the first commandment. And then he will help us to keep the second commandment. And he spoke, he framed a lot of it with the story of, you know, the young rich man in the New Testament who approached Jesus and said, like, what do I have to do to have eternal life? And Jesus was like, sell all your stuff and follow me. And he just, you know, the young man walked away sad because he wouldn't do it. He loved his, he loved his possessions too much. And he, Elder Holland framed that saying like, you know, how can we succeed where the rich man failed? It's not going to be our actual riches, but like, what are we not willing to set aside in order to, to be exalted and, you know, loving our neighbor and, and pledging our loyalty. And as he said, you know, using the vernacular of, of the youth of today, we need to be all in, mm-hmm. which I kind of laughed at a bit. I'm like, that's the name of the LDS living yeah. podcast. Is that like a name for the youth? That, that, is that, he is also, that a trendy he also used term? the word wholeheartedness, which I thought I'm like, Oh, that's very, you know, Brene. That's, <laughs> I'm like, you know, we, that's, that's another buzzword that's out there. So it's very wholesome. I did see, um, I don't necessarily agree with it, but I saw a little bit of chatter on social media, which probably tells you why you should just not be on social media during conference. But some who are saying like, this talk was perfectly fine, but they would have enjoyed it more if there hadn't been the Elder Holland remarks from three weeks ago at BYU when he was also sort of doubling down on the whole like defend the kingdom, be all in kind of thing, which upset a lot of people because of some of the language. And then he, so without that context, it's awesome. But there were some who were like, oh, he's just going in for this again. And I was like, well, I think this is toned a little bit differently. It's going to be okay. We have to decide, you know, we can't serve God and man, right? We got to. Again, like you wonder, like, I want the behind the scenes. Like, is there any strategy? It's like, do we put Elder Holland first with this? <laughs> I don't know. I always wonder. Like, <laughs> they, they did. Some... <laughs> I don't know. The church did just put out, they announced they put out some um, some documentary about the way, like recently they put it up on church news. Where was that? I don't know if it's going to be on the main page or not. Yeah, there's a new documentary that looks inside church headquarters. I know they did a little bit of that with councils and stuff. So they're you can watch it. It's cool, but I don't think they're going to show us how key decisions are made based on potential controversies and putting out fires and stuff like that. <laughs> it would be fun to be a fly on the wall and know what they're what they get into. Absolutely. I don't know if it would be fun or frightening. <laughs> I know, right? I would be interested. 
I would love to see that. I mean, I've heard for a very long time they don't ever assign topics to any of the speakers, but they do have them give them in advance to time them because they're very particular about the timing. That's why, you know, if it's a 12, it's like 15 minutes on the dot. If it's a 70, it's usually about 10-ish minutes. Or if it's like a young, you know, society general presidency, it's about that. But they... They, they keep them in line, yeah. which still doesn't explain why the Sunday morning session was done 20 minutes early today. Well, oh, you know, that, me. Kind of, that kind of made me wonder, you know, I, you know, we've heard that all the talks, you know, they pre-write their talks and, you know, they make sure that they're approved and all of that and, you know, get them tweaked. I'm like, do they do that with President Nelson's talk? Or is he exempt from having the approval of others? Is that why maybe it ended shortly because they thought he was going to take up X amount of time and he gets up there and he just starts talking and he doesn't take up as much time. That was kind of what went through my mind is maybe his isn't as timed out as everybody else's. They just give him a chunk of time and let him loose. They, yeah, that would make some sense. Yeah. By the way, his, his remarks were interesting. I wanted more of that video when they said, let's check out yeah. the renovation work in the temple. I was yeah. like, oh, this is be cool. We're gonna, this is, and I was almost thinking like, this is why he started so early. We're going to get like 10 plus <laughs> minutes of just video. And yeah. then, but it was, it was still interesting to see the foundation work. A little part of me wept when he's like, I'm standing underneath what used to be the garden room. And I'm like, so the garden room is gone. Oh, <laughs> I didn't. Well, okay. I mean, we knew they were doing things. What used to but... be? I didn't even catch that. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Yeah. Which is, that's just me being a brat, but I was like, okay. And this comes back to months ago when we had all the drama with the murals in the Salt Lake temple and the stuff in the Manti temple and all that. And, uh, but, um, it was interesting to see the inside. And of course he took that opportunity to talk about strong foundations. I we saw where this was going. I loved his talk yes. and I found it really comforting and hopeful. Um, I liked how he, he just made a point to say the restoration is a process, not mm-hmm. an event. This and he is, said that a few times. He too, did. This is, is ongoing yeah. and we're all a part of this. And this is not like one thing that happened and now for forevermore set in stone. But this is a process. We are learning, we are growing. Um we have we have the same we have the constant objective to bring people to temple blessings. But as we contemplate that objective, we have to be creative. Like what does that look like? And I just thought that was really exciting. I like that he said the uh, Salt Lake Temple will now be like the safest building in Utah in the event of an earthquake. And I was like, that's that's, that's a bold claim. <laughs> like, I don't know thing. if there's an earthquake. I want to go running into the temple for shelter. But yes, that is. Uh, but I like I like the parallels to our own foundations, what we're trying to do. And of course, he spoke at temples and he really seemed to be gearing up to announce some kind of major shift in temple work and then just yeah. kind of let it go. <laughs> that is exactly what my husband and I thought as we were listening to this is we're like, Oh, he's going to make a big change. He's going to make a big change. And then he didn't go there, but I but did enjoy making changes. The changes yeah. come. And there have been changes even up to this point. He's referring to some of that were been done. I mean, somewhere happened, happened because of, I think COVID practicalities, but maybe they decided those just even made more sense functionally in the first place, COVID or no COVID. Like this is a good thing. Um, helps you get through the sessions faster. And if we can get through the endowments, that's been like a curious, sorry, this is a a bit of a digression. You want to talk about being in our meeting. I would love to be on the temple committee when they're literally like breaking down how long sessions take and saying, all right, here's an issue. Because it's almost like the way movie theaters work. They're like, all right, here's the problem. 
This movie is two hours and 45 minutes long. This one's an hour and 40 minutes long. We can squeeze in more showtimes of this movie if it's an hour and 40 minutes long and people will come and we can make more money. And the temple, of course, is not a financial thing, but um, it, they care but... about like making the endowment efficient because they worry about turning people off who feel like I can't go to the temple. It's like a four hour process just to go to, and do it. And if you can shorten that time and still get it done and do things the right way then there's benefit. I mean, they've shortened yeah. it a bit, you know, a couple of years ago when they went away from the actual like film to the, the present, what slideshow. I don't know how we call it now, yeah. but you know, what it is, but uh, yeah. I did think it's interesting because he seemed to hint that other things will be coming, mm-hmm. but I also would not have expected him to announce changes like that in general conference. Cause usually the temple is sacred. And usually if things like that are going on, they announce it to temple workers and then church might issue a press release or something. And sometimes they make changes though. They don't make any hubbub about because they don't like to bring yeah. it up for the general public. So I and, still think stuff is coming. We're just, and I felt like he was kind of lovingly telling us not to be narrow minded about changes because he's like, you know, think about this on a global scope. You know, there's people that we're trying to bring to, we're gathering in people. And so all of these things have to be considered. All of these people, all of these countries have to be considered. It's not just about you sitting in Utah, you know, it's- and it is easy to get in that mindset. I mean, that's one of the rationale behind the way they've changed and just changed some of the way things are presented in recent years. Um, I remember when they switched to the slideshow, they said quite literally in some languages that we do things in now for the dubbing, it takes so much longer to express some of these same ideas that they can't sync it with like the actual live footage of the actors doing things. And so by switching to a different format, where things where it's static but moving, you know, it's Ken Burns kind of style stuff, static but moving imagery. They uh, they can accommodate that. That's just one of those simple can, things we do that makes a lot of sense on paper. But you don't like I'm not usually thinking about like how my temple experience needs to accommodate people speaking like a Bantu language in Southeast Africa, right? Yeah, but that matters because yeah. we're all but because we're all equal Latter Day Saints, and anything we can do to get away from kind of the North America first, North America first yeah. mentality. Well, and speaking of disparity, did you guys hear? Uh, did you like Elder Gil? I, I like Elder Gilbert's talk. Yes, Gilbert. Yes. About where you're starting from, and you yes. know, maybe you who you're starting low, don't give up. You got this. Christ sees your potential. You who are starting high, don't think you're so awesome, maybe, and that you did it yourself. I was like, all right, he's really going for it. And I wrote down, you know, that that he quoted that saying, we have all drunk from wells we did not dig and warmed by fires we did not light. And humility, you know? That's very poetic language for... Well, and I liked how he used where he was talking about the slopes and the intersect. And I just thought he cleverly wove a very, what I perceived as I'm listening to it, I could visualize in my mind exactly what he was talking about, which I thought to myself, oh, I'm going to remember this talk for a while because I was able to take the narrative of what he was saying and create a visual in my mind. And I like that they made the point, don't ignore circumstances. Yeah. And like that, that's important. Don't ignore circumstances, especially if you, you can find yourself in difficult ones that are totally beyond your control. Um, but like he says, but over-focusing on a difficult starting point can cause it to define you and even constrain your ability to choose, which I really like because I, I, I'm, I'm sensitive to like pulling yourself up by the bootstraps type language that we can get a lot of. And we can kind of default to that way in the church. Like, hey, have faith, work hard. Everything's going to be great. Yeah. But recognizing like you can have difficult circumstances, just don't let them define you. Recognize that that is an issue. There could be structural things that make your life harder 
and it's not, and even just straight up work isn't going to magically make all of it better. But the choices you make and the things you do are what can change your slope and change your trajectory instead of letting potentially letting that define you. I do think there's a very fine line there between this uplifting side and then like potentially yes. arguing the other one. But I, I liked his remarks quite a bit. I thought they were very interesting. And like and the math analogies were fascinating because he's not like you would have thought he was like a math professor or something, but he was he's a management guy. He quoted Clayton Christensen because they were like buddies at Harvard Business School together. They're old chums. <laughs> I and love, then they both became presidents of BYU Idaho. I right? love so the name just, dropping; it's always so fun. <laughs> yeah, why don't they just well, name drop someone random? <laughs> yeah. There's another thing we wish we could see in the halls of church leadership. Like how I mean, you know, how much like is there a desire to be like, oh, I just want, gotta get some FaceTime with the boss. Really gotta want to get some FaceTime <laughs> with President Nelson. You know, really, or at least with the presidents of the seventy. Like get some get some FaceTime with the bosses. <laughs> Well, a couple of them did talk about their being their conversations with President Nelson, like knee to knee or whatever. Yeah, that wouldn't be intimidating at all. No, it sounded, no. sounded lovely. Sounded lovely. Not in the least. <laughs> it would be fine. I would want to be like, ooh, I don't want FaceTime. <laughs> How can I avoid FaceTime? Although after after President Nelson's talk about the foundation, I did text my friend. I'm like, I, I just want to give him a hug right now. Yeah. <laughs> you know who I really Great. wanted to give me a hug? And this is just, I uh, I have no notes from his talk. I should have. But Christoffel Golden Jr., the South African one, oh. who just, yes. that man, yes. just he had, he had, his, his eyes were just piercing into my soul. And I was like, you must be like 6'4 and just a bear of a human. Just <laughs> give me a hug. I just wanted him to hug me. I need to remember what his remarks were on. He was delightful. <laughs> I remember I liked him. I think I was dealing with Rugrats at the time, but uh, talked about preparing for the second coming, right? I, that might have been my 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 nap session. <laughs> the, part, the part where I started nodding off. I, I think I wrote down golden, and then there's nothing there. That's some. That's what I. That's, I've got a bullet. I've got an empty bullet point, just vacant. <laughs> it trails <laughs> off. It's better than this guy knows how to party. I mean, that's uh, so. Yeah, I don't have much on that one either. <laughs> well, he looked great. Well, how, how do we feel about the green screens then? The ones who had to give their talks uh, from elsewhere, when yeah. for some reason they're it appears they are green screening them to make it look like they're just like delivering the remarks from a stake center somewhere, as opposed to just yeah. anything else. Well, yeah. not the one with the, just the plain white background it was yeah that one was fine yeah yeah i was like you're just in a void that's fine you can be in the (laughs) void i don't know why they're trying to make me think that they might be in a random stake center i don't need them to be in a random stake center it doesn't like yeah change the experience for me um i want to talk about the music a little bit i it was so great to have all the choirs singing and i Loved how every session that, you know, they pointed out they have been vaccinated and tested. And <laughs> um, but the the multicultural choir that was the Saturday afternoon, um, fun fact, my friend from high school was the conductor. Oh, cool. um, yeah, so that was neat to see her up there. We did theater together in high school. But um, I guess they were supposed to perform April 2020 and then they weren't able to for obvious reasons. And so this was the, you know, they've been waiting all this time um, to come together and do that. And I guess I read that, you know, the prophet went up afterward to talk to them after the session and they were really touched by that. So that's cool. 
And I guess, yeah, because April 2020 was supposed to be the big First Vision celebration. Yeah. And we had elements of that because remember that that was an interesting conference because that was mere weeks after everything kind of hit the fan. Yeah. And so some remarks still did the First Vision, but you could tell they had yeah. to pull out on a lot of things they wanted to. That's awesome. They were able to finally have their experience. Yeah. And I just felt like some of the songs that we've heard so many times, I don't know, hit a little differently for me. Like This Is The Christ, like felt a like a little bit more powerful and that I think that was Saturday afternoon and then the snappy how firm a foundation was like uh-huh. double time and I'm like this works for me like it was <laughs> it was really neat and then I love that um the closing one the sing is it the sing we know at party I mean that arrangement anyway I'm a music nerd but oh loved it loved the live music feel- I noticed um, with some other music, Elder Holland actually quoted um, Charles Wesley at the very end of his talk, cool. where he said, "What is it? You know, when, uh, love he, quote, he quoted Love Divine, All Love's Excelling,' which is a Charles Wesley poem. But the Tabernacle Choir sung it on occasion, and their arrangement of it is knockout awesome. It's one of the best things I've ever heard. Because he said, I think the last line says, where is that? Where is finish? It says, like, finish then thy new creation. Oh, let us feel. Anyway, it's okay. It, that, that, that whole line is from that poem, and the Tabernacle Choir has sung it once in conference, and it's to the tune of "In Humility, Our Savior." But it's like, mm. it's not. It's one of my. Anyways, it was. It's the last track on this old album called "The Sound of Glory," and it's just like the best thing they've ever done. I love it when that comes up anytime. I get so happy. It's yeah. just a great poem. It's just a beautiful hymn, and uh, I'm glad you called that out. And that's cool for the. Uh, if you think about it, if conference had been in person in the conference center with a congregation there. President Nelson probably would not have been able just to walk up in the stands afterwards and talk to them because everyone in there is standing there, standing up, waiting for the prophet to exit. Yeah. This presidency leaves with their wives and the 12, but because yeah. nobody was there, they probably said like, and we're clear. And he's like, all right. And just mar- <laughs> yeah. Him and there. his wife just marched up there. They're yeah. like, Oh, what, what do we do? <laughs> Which is great. I did see some chatter about it being called a multicultural choir. Like, is this a thing we have to like, call out like to say it's a mo- like hey we have ethnic minorities on display as a choir is this <laughs> i think it's i don't know i think it's i think great. it was the good mo- i mean the motav is amazing but yeah they're predominantly white right i mean so it's just great to just see so much representation up there is great and all f- they said they said they're from northern utah i don't know if that means just the whole salt lake area or does that mean like north of salt lake like the whole choir came from like ogden and above i don't know exactly what the criteria was for that but i'll just be i don't know and i felt like in the article i read that some people like aud- like audition like traveled mm-hmm. in but i don't know I- i'd be interested to know more about that how it's got yeah. going and everything i guess i'll have yeah. to message my friend yeah, I mean, get us get us the good stuff I here. Know. Tell us what's going on. I also enjoyed the other part of Elder Uchtdorf's remarks we didn't talk about a ton is, is the way he laid it out. You know, like basically walking in a straight line, apparently studies have shown if we don't have any kind of if we don't have any kind of a, a what's the landmark or something like that, we're prone to walking in circles, apparently, as people. I I as a as a man, I choose to believe that is not true, and I simply know and I know the right way. You know the directions at all times. I know where I am going. All right, I know how to look at the sun and figure out where its direction I'm facing. But uh, I thought that was really interesting. It was a cool way to to establish his remarks and uh, say like we need these various these points to kind of these landmarks in our lives, <laughs> these gospel yeah. landmarks that actually help us not just walk in circles and help us progress to our destination. I love him. I love President Elder. Elder Nukdorf. Elder. Yes. 
That was actually a good one, two, three. You had Elder Uchtdorf, then you had President Johnson, the new primary president, who was a trial lawyer, so I'm sure she and Tiffany can be pals. We'll be buddy Um, buddies. I did not know she was a trial lawyer. I like her already. (laughs) I love... This is this is stupid petty. This is shallow stuff. But I love it like when you call the primary general president, you look at her history, it's like, oh yeah, she was a staffer on the Hill and she went to law school and she was a litigation attorney for like 30 odd years. And now she's doing primary, which is great. So that's why that was not coincidence that she was speaking about the, uh, hey, the trial. Hey, these are the, these are the oh, strongest souls saved for the last days. Man. There it is. You know, it's no small thing. But like hers was really, her remarks were really solid. Then we had Elder Renland right after that. And yeah. I was like, boom, boom, boom. Like we, we dove right into Sunday yeah. hardcore, yeah. which was awesome. Absolutely love that. Elder, Elder Renland is kind of one of my quiet, just faves. I think his remarks are always so thoughtful to all of us. Mm. Um, okay, Jeff, before we hit temples, yeah. are we going to talk okay. about the elephant in the room? Elder Anderson's talk? <laughs> oh my gosh, I wrote down. I actually, my note says, Jeff, do you have to change your name? <laughs> I, wrote that I remembered what it was my husband said. Yeah. He was like, I can't take you seriously if you're going to go by this week in Mormons. And I said, You've never taken my podcast seriously to begin with. So that's not going to change. He even said podcasts and our, and people have changed their podcasts. Yeah. <laughs> it was like a did he say, did he, did he he say that? I didn't hear he that did part. say podcasts. <laughs> he he said he people did. have changed their podcasts. <laughs> Who has changed their podcasts? I'd like to know of the prominent Latter Day Saint podcasts. Which ones have actually changed their names based on the past three years? Who else? I is actually can't. There? I'm, I can't think of many. I'm actually very curious. I just felt like it was a call out. <laughs> oh, I know. Like, we, we started getting heat on Twitter, and of course, just like three years ago when we first went down this road with President Nelson, we started getting all these messages on the Facebook page, like, "Why do you guys didn't change your name? Why don't you listen to the Prophet? Don't you believe in the Prophet?" And I was like, "Okay, this is not the way we go about trying to affect change in people by badgering them." Well, this is but, the quote uh, I heard twice: "The name of the church is not negotiable." I'm not saying it is. <laughs> now, Haley, my dear, if we need to. I'm just the messenger. You're just the messenger. <laughs> I think one thing is I found interesting about Elder Anderson. He seems to like talks like this that sort of talk about like evaluating recent history of the church and sort of chest thumping about the cool thing we've done. This is he has, <laughs> it's just sort of the thing he likes to do. He's he's um th- in this case it was just revisiting President M- Nelson's admonition to push for the real name of the, the full name of the church and how we refer to ourselves as a people and revisit that and talk about how what a rousing success all of it's been. Um, I was listening to, I was making dinner given our time frame how we do it here. So I was, that's why I was picking up on a lot of it though. And uh, I thought it was like, it was fine. I missed the podcast part. So I can't wait to go back and, and hear that. <laughs> and that must be why I had like Richie Stedman's message. He's like, dude, you got called out big time just now, man. That, that that's was why. <laughs> Well, that's what my husband said, too. He's like, they are calling you out in general conference. That's what he said at the dinner table tonight. I don't know how much longer I can sit on my my longtime excuse. Uh, And this is literally like, this isn't sin, but like saying because someone else is sinning, I can sin too. But the fact that LDS living exists, because Elder Anderson focused on the Mormon. He said Mormon law. He didn't really get into the acronym side, but the same admonition we've had during this process has been also not to refer to ourselves as LDS LDS or the LDS church. Uh, LDS is also verbote. Yeah. What does that mean? Latter-day Saint. 
just the Latter-day Saints. Yeah. Uh, but they don't want us to say LDS either. Fine. That's good. So I've always found it at least curious that LDS living has continued unabated for three years since we made these announcements. And LDS living is owned by the church. Yeah. And run by the church. Now, this doesn't mean it's like totally fair for me to make the excuse. But when people have asked me, like, are you going to get change your name and get rid of Mormons? I've just said, like, LDS living is owned by the church and they have made apparently no moves to change their name to anything. It's not called Mormon living, which I imagine might have changed had that been the case. But uh, that's my main excuse, people. I just feel like there's also the whole thing where it's just like a hassle to find to buy a new domain and like move stuff yeah. and just rebrand. Rebranding is hard. Everyone, I know. This hey, listen, gig. the profit, the restoration is a process, not an event. <laughs> rebranding is a be process. Be patient so. with yourself. <laughs> and then there's the fact that Time. I'm simply not, I'm not creative enough. Some people on Twitter had some thoughts about what we could call ourselves. One of the obvious ones was just to change to this week in Latter-day Saints, but the acronym TWIM is so much easier than TWILDS. <laughs> Which I think sounds It's kinda cool. Twilds? Can we can we do a Prince thing and just have a symbol and say the podcast formerly <laughs> known as Twim? Uh, Ariane Ariane does graphic design. I'll have her create something for you, Jeff. Does she? I we need to ex- I didn't even know we could we need to exploit that then. I uh I I I've been open to the the changing of the name. It's just like a hassle mm, I This week in T C O J C O L T S. Yeah, it this rolls the, right off the tongue. Twil Twilkajols. <laughs> Tikajols. Twilkajols. Colds. Colds. Well, because it would be I with think it members might be of cool the church. Be a symbol. Then <laughs> how do we introduce the show every week, Tiffany? Hello, everyone. Welcome to <laughs> the podcast formerly known as Twim. I mean, at least the YouTube the YouTube viewers will at least like have some kind of an image to work with. <laughs> be so I welcome your thoughts, everyone. If you have yeah. just grand ideas for what it should there. be called. I should just call it This Week in LDS, just to troll LDS living. I don't <laughs> that know. would be funny. It genuinely bothers me. Like, I hate that a church-owned affiliate is carries on with LDS. Even though it's not Mormon, but it's still LDS. And, like, no one has clearly made any indication they're going to change that. And I think that's just bizarrely didn't didn't Kurt Frankum critical, but it's weird to me. It's weird to me that they don't bother with it. Didn't Kurt Frankum ch- change his podcast after that talk came out? Wasn't he? Sure, didn't he I, go by go. something what else? There you go. Kurt is an example. Leading LDS became leading saints. That is exactly absolutely true. yeah. Good call. That's that's a good example. That's the one I can think of then that changed their name. Hmm. I mean, you've got the other side of it, but I don't think John DeLynn's gonna like stop doing Mormon stories anytime soon. I don't think John DeLynn's gonna like care a ton about this council. I mean, he might, but I, I don't think he's going to. That's just, if I were a betting man, if I were going to drive to Wendover and really spend some money, that, uh, not too sure. Oh, Elder Anderson, just, just browbeating this whole thing. Oh, it's fun. All right. It's well, fun- I think we should talk about the temples, Jeff. Yeah, we're about at that time, aren't we? So temple announcements came and went and they were good. And I love them. And hopefully some of you heard the Temple Predictions podcast we did last week. It's like the least evergreen content we put out because it's rendered moot within a matter of days. But um, hopefully it could give you something uh, to think about for the future. And we had a lot, we did a lot of predictions this time around because we had 20 in April, which was crazy. And uh, so we had like 15 official ones, plus our honorable mentions and all that kind of good stuff. And you got Haley, some right. Yeah. Haley, did you freeze? Are you there? I'm here. Okay, your video is a bit goofy. That's fine. Oh. We'll be fine. It's all fine. <laughs> Everything's fine. 
So we got some new temples. We got some right. Some have been featured on previous predictions uh, in the past, but I'll read these off and butcher the language. I know. I was like, going to say, I couldn't, I wouldn't be able to say any of, I just wrote down I, I the will, countries. <laughs> I will be like uh, then President Uchtdorf trying to do the general officers and sustainers <laughs> during conference. And he'd get stuck with all these like terrible, like Japanese and Hispanic names. Oh, yeah. And that's the reason why now they just get up there and say, Hey, all the area seventies is currently constituted. You good? Cool. Thank you. And then they don't bother reading. <laughs> so we've got Kaohsiung, Taiwan, which is on the southern part of Taiwan. We actually talked about another temple in Taiwan some years ago, and then eased off. Uh, Tacloban City, Philippines. I think it's every general conference just throw a dart at a map of the Philippines, and you've got a good shot of something being announced somewhere <laughs> in the country. Monrovia, Liberia was not an official pick this time, but it's been the list many times. It was an honorable mention. Kananga DRC, same kind of thing. We directly called Antana Narivo, Madagascar. Uh, so that's very exciting for the Saints of Madagascar. Uh, Culiacan, Mexico as well, we've called. Uh, Vitoria, Brazil, we did not call. That's cool for Brazil. La Paz, Bolivia has been an honorable mention. Here's where it gets interesting, though. Uh, my buddy Joe, in the prediction, said, there's, I think there's going to be a second temple in Santiago, Chile. Even though the numbers weren't totally there, but he went with it, and lo and behold, another city with a double temple set up. Good I mean, job, Santiago's Joe. huge. I mean, Santiago's huge. It's like having a temple in LA and a temple in Newport Beach, really. But it's, it's but in this case, they're just two Santiago chili temples. Also, a temple in Fort Worth. And I think six months ago, we talked about a second temple in the Dallas Metroplex. So there we go. Um, Cody, Wyoming. Is the most interesting one to me on the list, quite frankly. Cody is not a big place. Cody's famous for like Wild Bill. And uh, there's one stake there that's been there since the 70s. I know. And I was going, well, like Coloradoans can go to Fort Collins. So it's not like they need to go up there. Yeah. And, and so if you know where Cody, Cody's kind of close to Yellowstone. It's close to the Montana border. But it's interesting they said Cody, just because I could see something for northern Wyoming, maybe, that would siphon off some of the Billings, Montana Temples District. But I thought maybe it would go in Sheridan, which is a bigger actual city and has a stake that they organized only last year. Um, but it's Cody, Wyoming, for some reason. I don't know what makes Cody the kind of the one to single out. Oh, yeah, region. it's up there. Yeah, and it's pretty tiny. And there hasn't been a lot of church growth in that part for a long, long time. So Wyoming, Wyoming, the least populous state in the country, will have three temples when all is said and done. Maybe Cody's going to get one of those like really small temples, like what they're putting in Helena. Yeah, probably won't be huge. But I mean, Haley, that's got to sting, right? I mean, you're a Colorado and you guys have two. Two. Right. That, that's front, what I mean. Range. I was like, Cody, okay, well. And a lot of people have speculated Colorado Springs is kind of ready for its own temple at this That's point. That's what I would think. With how much growth they've had down there, but it is not uh, not to be. Um, another one not meant to be still is Mongolia. And at this point, I don't know what the problem is, but I'm officially going to leave it off the predictions. Uh, Haley, I doubt you read these predictions every time, but <laughs> Mongolia has been... Mongolia checks off a lot of boxes, especially in this new era of temples going in for like one or two stakes. I mean, Mongolia is very isolated. They have two stakes in a district. The country per capita is way more heavily LDS than most Asian countries because of that. Because all of Mongolia has like 3 million people, if that. Wow. It's a very sparsely populated country. So um, still no temple there, though. So I'm still sad. Now, here's the hilarious one, though, uh, that we also predicted. Rexburg, Idaho, North. <laughs> and for some reason, Haley finds that funny. I don't know why. I don't. I can't even say I've been to Rexburg, but I just picture it as a very small place. 
It is a very small place. It is. I mean, it's like, I get it. Like Provo getting two temples, people are like, whoa, Provo gets a second temple. That's so amazing. It's Provo. Even though people were kind of whining about the tabernacle burning down and they kind of did it and it's good. Yay for Provo. But it's Provo. Provo has 100,000 people. It's got people. Rexburg has BYU Hawaii. There's like 40,000 people in Rexburg though now. It's bigger than it used to be, but it's- it's still uh it's smaller so i just want to tip my hat to my collaborator Corey, who was the one that predicted that temple there and he's he looked at the numbers he was like the rexburg temple looks big but it's actually smaller than you think on the inside in terms of what it can do number of stakes and then he even found like the church had bought land right off the highway next to the brand new walmart up in the northern end and he's like i think a temple is gonna go right there in Loma, I know, Loma. but like idahoans they get things done you know they don't mess around I guess so. I mean, you got your you Burley bet. Temple coming up there, Tiffany. How many temples would that be for Idaho then, Tiffany? You guys have got... Ooh, let me see. There's Rexburg, Idaho Falls, Pocatello, Burley, Twin, and two in the Boise area. So that's seven right there. Wow. Yeah, something like that. See? One, two, three, four, five, six. They're, not, they're not shirking. You'll have eight, yeah. Meridian, Boise, Twin Falls, Burley, Pocatello, Idaho Falls, Rexburg, Rexburg North. So Yeah, with Rexburg North, yes, that does make eight. So good job. Good job. And the last one is a long predicted temple that we've talked about on the show repeatedly Heber Valley, Utah, Mm -hmm. which is great. I mean, there's been a lot of growth out there in Heber and Midway and all that. There's not like a ton of church growth in terms of stakes, but I think it kind of makes sense as far as where they are and how isolated they are. Cause Park City is not really growing church wise. (laughs) Park City, as we know, is evil and has no spirit but no but park city compared to utah park city has a stake which by utah standards is yeah nothing right Uh, and so a lot of people are moving to heber you know that's a lot of people are moving out there loving it out there i know so many people who have built houses in midway it's ridiculous how many people yeah my good friend just built a house in wallsburg so yes i texted them i was like oh yeah and i'm curious i mean because i'm trying to look at a map view right so it's not too bad, yeah, because the Pro, the Provo Temple currently, which we'll talk about as well in a second, yeah, there's uh, they've actually grown quite a bit. The immediate Heber Valley area has, I guess there's two stakes in Midway now. So you've got six stakes right there in kind of the main valley to say nothing of maybe Wallsburg or yeah. elsewhere that's and Park City that are kind of nearby that'll probably go to that. So good on them. Okay, but what do we think about the um, Provo Temple being, um, yeah, because here is here's what I wonder about I mean, the Provo Temple. So it obviously has a very 1970s vibe to it, much like what the Austin oh yeah. Temple had. Are they going oh yeah. to do to the Provo Temple what they did to the Ogden Temple? I think that's what's implied. I was curious when he said they're going to do it once the Ogden Temple's done. Uh, what's happening? No, the Ogden said, Temple is done. No, the Orem Temple. Orem Temple. I thought he actually said Ogden in his words, though. I heard I Orem. He said Orem. I heard Orem. It makes too. sense to. I totally understand waiting for Orem to be done so it can kind of be the buffer. But at that pace, they might as well wait for the Linden Temple to be done too so they can just all absorb it. But my guess is they'll do it like what they did to Ogden, which makes me a little sad. Because it's such a unique, a uniquely looking structure that I would love to, to have it retain its architectural uniqueness. Well, and it's so iconic for that neighborhood. It is right there by the MTC. It's just, I don't know. And especially like, even though Ogden's kind of was a stable mate and even just the pictures you get. Yeah. And like you said, Haley, the Provo one is by the MTC. When you take pictures of it, you have rock Canyon and the mountains right behind it, making Mm -hmm. a nice backdrop. It's this whole tableau that we're accustomed to. The Ogden temple was just kind of smack in the middle of downtown and didn't have anything like 
environmentally around it that was cool. And it was fine. And I think at the time when they read it, Ogden, most people said, well, downtown Ogden is not the greatest place. And this could kind of help make that better. But tweaking Provo just kind of, yeah, it's kind of ends a whole era, kind of a legacy. So I don't, I, I'm assuming that's what they're doing to it. If the prophet announced it like that, like, hey, we're waiting until another big temple is done to absorb the demand because yeah. we're going to shut it down for a while. I'm guessing that means that's what's going to happen, which. Me too. And I have to and then it'll lose the be sad. Yeah. And then it'll lose the Moroni that they only put on it like 20 years ago. So there you go. Because <laughs> why are we talking? Why has no one addressed the lack of Moroni's in general conference? It's this thing everyone knows about and no, there is no official line about it whatsoever. It's just very clearly we're not doing this anymore, but uh, no one says a word. I think they should say a word. I think that would be anyway. I'm, now I'm mad. Oh, oh. no. <laughs> Thanks, Tiffany. <laughs> Sorry, Wait, I had to go there. An uplifting quote. Where's a good quote? <laughs> Get back on track. Find me something uplifting <laughs> right now. Keep the commandments or die. Who said no? I'm just kidding. Um, anyway, oh, well, yeah. yeah. So the temples announced, announced are cool. Great to see new temples. And don't well, know what's going to happen to Provo. I'll tell you what, Jeff. Here's a quote. This is this is from Elder Perkins. Heavenly Father is aware of our suffering. So Heavenly Father is aware that we are suffering for what will be the icon probably be the iconic loss of the of the architectural elements of the Provo Temple. Yeah. Okay, but now see, like you can't do all the Perkins to do that because it seems to be glib. The man got up there and so, said straight up, I have cancer, I'm gonna die earlier than I planned. And I was like, okay, this got real very quickly. And he gave, I think I thought he gave very touching remarks about how to endure suffering. But the whole time I thought like, it's nice that I can apply this to myself, but man, you're getting up there like staring mortality in the face and trying to make it relatable to us, which is like bold and thoughtful. And I appreciate it, but I almost felt bad. Like this shouldn't even have to be your struggle. Like you've got stuff on your plate and it breaks my heart that someone can get up there and just say, especially when we just had elder, um, you know, the Davies. 70 who passed away, Davies. Elder Davies passed away just a handful of weeks ago from cancer. cancer as well. And then having someone who's up there saying like, yeah, now I am dying of this and that. And I've, Elder Perkins has actually come to my stake before and we got to meet him. And he's just a very like oh. jolly, oh, I very like jolly, talk. pleasant. Yeah. Yeah. Very great jolly guy. talk. Yeah. Okay. Well, I was mad. Now I'm sad. Oh no. <laughs> um, we're working our way through the stages of grief. Apparently <laughs> at some point we're going to get, when do I bargain? Okay. Um, How about quote from president nelson he said build a foundation on jesus christ and you'll have no need to fear all right that's fair good note okay. to go out on good note. okay anybody else have anything they want to bring up from our wonderful general conference i mean that we might have missed i mean we didn't touch on we didn't even talk about elder gong but that's okay yeah no we're i thought it we was skipped, I, a lot of apostles, <laughs> I felt renewed and that is what i expect from a general conference weekend is i expect to feel renewed and ready to go out and take on the world and chip away at go. the things in my life that are not good and hopefully replace them with habits and behaviors that are better yeah amen there we go yeah exactly and I, yeah, I'm looking at you because social media, <laughs> which was mentioned. <laughs> I, lo- I loved his quote. Of, I, I love President Nelson, the good quote about social media right there in his remarks yeah. when he just said, like, if you're getting all your message, all your information from social media, that's a problem. Exactly. <laughs> you did not beat around the bush. There. Just come on, people. 
Yeah. Not only that, he said your ability to hear the whisperings of the spirit will be diminished. Ooh. It's true though, isn't it? It's true. He's there not wrong. It. Um I would like to stress to elevate that, if I may, if I can build upon the words of a prophet from social media and cable news in general. So there you go. If you're getting your information from all of that, yeah, it's not going to be as good. That's all. Yeah. It'll, it'll, just, it'll just help. Crack out. open the scriptures. Listen to an uplifting podcast. Like this one. Like this one. And <laughs> you could. Well, everybody, we hope you had a great general conference. I loved it. It is nice to feel renewed and sit down and enjoy that. And I'm also super thankful for the technology and all the people who work an incredible amount behind the scenes to make this a reality. I mean, you think about how many years ago, I remember when it was a novelty to stream it just from the church's website and I'd hook an HDMI cable up to my TV and be like, now we can watch conference this way because we don't have it on cable. But nowadays it's like, whatever, it's on apps. Every like It's, it's impossible you can't even avoid it. And I think it's just an incredible effort undertaken by so many to make that as easy as possible for all of us to get to um, and provide it to us really quickly. I mean, you can already watch these talks on YouTube it's the day yeah. they're released, which is awesome. So good on them. I would like to thank my wonderful, wonderful panelists. I've loved spending time with these fine sisters. Uh, Tiffany Hales, thank you for being here. And I'm glad we got to have you in this week, even after the snafu again with your regular episodes. So we still got some sister action. Well, thank you for having me, Jeff. It is always a pleasure and we'll get you in for like a regular show here. We're going to, we're going to figure this out together. It's going to be good. Um, and the always delightful Haley Smith has been here. Haley, thanks for hopping on. It's wonderful to have you back. It is so great to always stop by. And even if I, you know, my notes weren't as bad as I thought. I thought your notes were solid. I mean, I saw yeah. you rifling through stuff and like pulling up. You're, you're, you're did great. You did great. I can be clutch. <laughs> I need to be. <laughs> well, you're an you know. actress. <laughs> well, this is what happened. Just like nobody could come. Who would show up last minute and just talk? No. <laughs> no, I, you were on You were on the initial one. No, invite. I know. You know I'm that. kidding. You know yeah. that. Don't be silly, people. But um, still, I would do anyway. it. Anyway. But f- folks, in six months, if any of you listening really want to talk conference, you can go ahead and send me like your your resume or something, and I'll consider you to be part of the gaggle. It'll be exciting. But until that time, when we shall meet again, uh, we hope you had a wonderful general conference and that this podcast has been a nice way to recap it for you. And we look forward to doing the same in six months. Until then, we'll be back next week with some regular news to recap all the other stuff going on in Latter-day Saint Dumb. And so for uh, Tiffany and Haley, I am Jeff. Thanks for listening to This Week in Mormons, and we will talk to you again soon. Bye-bye.